0: Ephesians 5, verse 17, that's on page 978 in your pew Bible. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if the children are downstairs in the basement together with their friends, what kind of sounds do you want to hear as parents? You don't want to hear sounds of bickering and fighting and anger, conflict. What you want to hear as a parent is sounds of joy and laughter, happiness and love. What sounds does our Father in heaven hear from us, his children, down here on earth? What sounds is this congregation-making? What do we sound like to God? And what do we sound like to the the world? And our text has instruction for us on this very question this morning. Looking at verse 17, you remember the context of chapter 5, The context is one of a contrast between darkness and light, between foolishness and wisdom, between death and life. And so the apostle continues with that contrast in verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's true wisdom, knowing God's will and doing it. And that's the solution for evil days. That's how you make the best use of the time. You seek the will of God. And he continues, and do not get drunk with wine. Now, what the apostle is not saying is, well, don't get drunk with wine, get drunk with whiskey instead. That's not the point. It's not, wine is the well-known intoxicant of that age. If you thought of how to get drunk, people thought of wine first of all. And the point is, don't lose your sobriety. Don't lose your ability to discern between light and darkness, between foolishness and wisdom. Don't lose your ability to discern the will of God. Don't let anything cloud your mind, whether it's wine or any other alcohol or drugs or anything else, which prevents us from seeing God and seeing his will. For that is debauchery, says the apostle. And the word debauchery here in the the Greek is a word which has the sense of profligacy, wasteful spending, just... Wasting yourself and wasting your time and wasting your energy and wasting everything. Just wasting it on things which do not bring any blessing or any good. So the idea is the opposite of redeeming the time. You remember from New Year's Eve that the, oh, from, from, from the, the, the sermon on, on, on verse um, 16. You remember that redeeming the time has to do with purchasing it, buying it up, and and making sure you get all of it. And this is the opposite. To get drunk is to do the opposite of that. It is to, to be massively wasting your time. We're supposed to be storing up treasures in the kingdom of heaven. We're supposed to be investing kingdom resources wisely for the maximum profit for the master. And when we give ourselves over to any addiction, we are wasting those resources for him. Time and money and talents and gifts and health and relationships and opportunities to love and serve are all flushed down the drain as we serve the lusts of the flesh and do not live in the spirit. And, and opposed to that kind of a life, the apostle reminds us of who we are in Christ. Be filled with. With the spirit. You see, drunkenness turns the glory of God into shame. Drunkenness has the, the person, the human being, made in the image of God, made to reflect the glory of God, and that that image of God is stumbling around like a beast, slurring its words, a humiliating caricature of what it is to be human. It is a mockery. And in fact, to be drunk, besides many other sins, to be drunk is to blaspheme the very image of God. But a spirit-filled life is the opposite of that. A spirit-filled life is humans exalted to the most glorious heights of what it is to be human, to be taken hold of by the power of God, to be filled with the very glory of God, the very glory of God who dwelt in the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament temple, he comes and he fills you, your heart, your mind, your life. And wherever you find the Spirit, you will find the Word, always. The Word and Spirit always come together. Now, Colossians chapter 3, we read it, Colossians chapter 3 is kind of a reprise of of Ephesians chapter 5. They're saying the same thing. They're very, very similar in their their content. And so when we read Colossians chapter 3, and you look at verse 16 there, you see what the apostle says. Instead of saying, be filled with the Spirit, there in Colossians, he says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because that's the same thing. When the Spirit of Christ fills you, then you have the Word Christ himself in you, dwelling in you richly. If God makes you his temple, then the Father and the Son come to live in your heart by his Spirit. And when the Spirit of God lives in your heart, then the Word of God will dwell in you richly. And so what is the consequence? Look at verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, those are three types of psalms. Those three words there in the Greek are, are words used in the Old Testament Greek translation of the, uh, of, of the Bible to refer to different types of psalms. And so what the apostle is first of all uh, saying to us is that we need to have the language of Scripture, specifically the book of Psalms, on our lips, on our minds, and in our hearts. And that's the language we need to be using to speak to one another. Now, there's a lot of singing here. Look at that verse 19 there, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Those are three types of psalms. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. There's a lot of singing. There's a lot of song in our text. God wants us to be a singing people. Specifically, to be a Word singing people, a psalm singing people. And that's how he wants us to talk to each other. That's how he wants us to address one another with a song in our hearts, singing the word of God to one another. So this morning, it is good for us to reflect how are we addressing one another? What do we have to say to one another? And what does the surrounding community hear? Do you hear the people sing? Not the song of angry men, but songs of joy and life and love and salvation and thanksgiving. You see, sin reduces us to mumbling incoherence, to to outbursts of foul language and angry invective. But the Spirit fills us with words of love and joy and peace and praise and thanksgiving. You know, if somebody says we're having words, that means that they're fighting, they're arguing. It's your word against mine. But if we have the word dwelling in us richly, we have his word in our hearts, in our minds, on our lips, then we have no conflict, but we have unity. We do not have anger, but grace. We do not have hatred, but we have love. Now, I'm reminded of a woman that I know who, when her children were young, she was often in pain, she was physically weak, She was heavily burdened in mind and body. She had a large family to care for, and she had endless tasks and duties beyond her ability. She couldn't deal with the mental strain. She had some mental breakdowns, some nervous breakdowns. And her father had taught her as a little girl that when the devil attacks you, sing. Sing the word of God. Because like Luther said, when you sing the word of God, the devil flees. And so she sang as she did her work around the house, as she hung the clothes on the the washing line in the backyard. She sang the psalms, not just the laments, but the praise and the thanksgiving. And sometimes she would meet the neighbors in the neighborhood, and they would say, ah, you're the, the lady who's always happy. The lady who's always singing. Brothers and sisters, we don't do enough singing. In our families, with our friends, our Bible studies, our fellowship groups, we need to sing. The greater the pain, the more intense the praise. The greater the woe, the more intense the worship. Think of Paul and Silas, they were in prison. What were they doing? They weren't sending off angry Facebook ghost posts to the government. They weren't arguing on social media about whether they should be there or not. They were praising God. They were singing the Psalms. Are we a singing people? Is the word of Christ dwelling in us richly? Is the word of God in our hearts and on our lips? Are we addressing one another with the word of God? You see, if we're addressing one another with our words, then there is no hope for us. We're just going to spiral into conflict and misunderstanding. But when we address one another with the word of God, if we're singing and praising and rejoicing and encouraging and worshiping, then we will all joyfully submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, like it says in verse 21, and we'll be dealing with that in more detail in the next sermon. And then each member of the body will joyfully embrace their role to serve the maximum edification of the body. And the body with every member knit together in love will be seen and will be heard to be a worshiping body, a praising body, and the dominant tone will not be noise. It will not be the noise of anger and lament and conflict, but it will be thanksgiving. You see, where the Word is, there is light and life and hope. In the beginning there was darkness, and God spoke, and there was light. And the light shone in the darkness, and the darkness was not able to overcome it. And the more the Word lives in us, the more we speak it and we sing it to each other, to one another. The more the light will shine in the darkness and life will shine in the midst of death. And so that's what God calls us to to be a singing people, a singing people, giving thanks always and for everything to God, to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always, not just sometimes, and giving thanks for everything, not just something. So we give God thanks for life and family and love and relationships and forgiveness and and the gospel and the congregation. And we give God thanks for the pandemic and for suffering and for the discipline of God and for the brother or the sister who thinks and decides differently than I do. Now, if you ask somebody in the city of St. Albert about this church, Do you hear the people sing? Is it the song of angry men that they hear? Is it the song of of frustration and conflict and revolution? Or do they hear the songs of Zion, the songs of praise, the songs of thanksgiving? You know, he's just a children's singer. But he's got this song which is just so apt for this moment. Rafi sings this All I really need is a song in my heart, food in my belly, and love in my family. Today, the Lord invites us to the Eucharist. That's the word behind that word there, giving thanks. It's a Greek word, it means giving thanks. It's one other name that we have for the Lord's Supper. God invites us to the table of thankfulness. He gives us a song in our hearts. He nourishes us with the bread of life. And he fills us with his love. What more do we need? Oh God, as you nourish our souls with Christ at the table of the Lord, So fill us by your spirit that the word of Christ might dwell in us richly, and that we would speak and sing the word to one another, that our hearts might be knit together in love, and that we would be united in thanksgiving and worship, to the eternal praise of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.